I do not like trampoline parks. Yeah. I'm a little embarrassed to say that because it's like, what's not to like about a, tra- a trampoline park? It's like an entire building that's designed for fun. Like, it looks awesome. I, there's nothing not to like about them. Except if you go on the wrong day and there's a ton of unsupervised children, then it's fair to not like it. But otherwise, it's like, this should be great, right? I just, I just can't, like, fully enjoy it. I enjoy my kids, seeing them enjoy it, but I, I just personally don't like it. And I think... A big part of the reason, if not all of the reason, is that when I was in college, I was playing basketball, came around a screen, I blew out my knee, tore my ACL, medial lateral meniscus, had surgery 10 weeks post-op, slipped on wet grass, retore that ACL, had to get a new ACL. Yeah, right? Like a lot of stuff in your life you want to do twice. <laughs> not that. And then a couple years after that, just for good measure, I decided, hey, I'm going to tear the ACL on my left knee too. So my knees are worth like $150,000. But the bank won't let me get equity on, the, on them. I don't know what's up with that. And so when it comes to a trampoline park, I can't fully enjoy it because I'm fearful. I know I'm okay. The doctors have said my knees are, are stable. Like I, Barring some catastrophic thing, my luck, it would happen, right? But, but barring some catastrophic thing, I'm okay. But when I go. I just can't fully commit to it. Like they have the, the, the trampolines where you can dunk on a 10-foot rim and everybody, like people assume because I'm tall, it's like you can dunk, right? It's like, no. No, I couldn't ever dunk. And the older I get, the further I, weigh, I get from not being able to dunk. And so like I'll line up at the end of it and get a ball and I'm like, all right, this is going to be the time. I'm going to do this. And you know, you bounce down and I get to that last jump and I'm just like, oh, and I wimp out because there is something in me that's like, I just, I can't do it. I don't want to get hurt again. And it's probably not going to happen, but that fear of pain is like sticking with me. And so I cannot fully enjoy it. As we continue our series, Fear Less, we're going to be talking about the fear of pain this morning. Fear of pain, algophobia is a thing. They have a name for it. Fear is a big thing in our lives. It's a big motivator. And pain is also a big motivator. So when you put these together, I mean, this is a difficult thing for us. Nobody wants pain, right? Pain's a part of life, but nobody wants pain. Nobody puts on their shopping list, we need to go get some cereal, uh, some juice, and some pain. If you could pick up some pain, extra strength pain, maximum strength pain. Nobody wants that. Nobody's putting on their, their New Year's resolution list. Ooh, more pain in 2020. Like, we don't want pain. But it's a part of our life. It's a part of our life. If you're a Colts fan, too soon. <laughs> Sorry. You're in, you're in pain right now because Andrew Luck is in pain. And he's reached that point where he's like, I just can't go through it anymore. So how do we handle fear of pain? What does God say about fear of pain? What does Jesus do about fear of pain? We're going to dive into that as we read Matthew 26 Verses 36 to 46. If you've got a Bible with, with you, you can turn to that. Matthew chapter 26. Uh, if you're familiar with Jesus' life at all, this is before um, he goes to the cross. This is leading up to that and the events leading up to that moment. Um, Jesus knows what's, come, what's coming, and so he gets some time away. And verse 36 says, Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, Sit here while I go over and pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, my father, 
If it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. He said to Peter, couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then Jesus left them a second time and prayed, my father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping, for they couldn't keep their eyes open. So he went to pray a third time, saying the same things again. Then he came back to the disciples and said, Go ahead and sleep. Have your rest. But look, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. Jesus goes with the disciples to pray. He takes three of them with him in particular to pray, and he's just pouring his heart out to God. There's real pain here. And there's a couple things that we can look at. And the first is pain hurts. Pain hurts. It's true, right? Pain hurts. And I, I know that is like totally shocking to everyone. You're like, wait a minute, what? Pain hurts? That's like radically new information, right? Nobody's ever thought of that. No, I, I get it. But we need to start there. Pain hurts. Because think about it. Our, our approach to pain isn't always that clear. When little kids get hurt, right? When, when, when little kids come up to you and tell you they got hurt, how often are we like, no, you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. No, they're not fine. They're hurt. Pain hurts. And we struggle with questions like, why is there pain? Why do bad things happen? Why do people suffer? And those are fair questions. The answer is because of our brokenness. Our sin introduced pain into the equation. And I don't mean your personal sin, but rather when Adam and Eve sinned, when sin entered into the world, pain came with it. Pain was never part of God's plan at the beginning. God created a perfect world and he put people in it. That's the Garden of Eden that's talked about way back in the first book of the Bible. Pain wasn't a part of that world. But because of sin, pain is now part of our reality. Sin being when Adam and Eve said, God, we can find good apart from you. We can find meaning and joy and happiness and fulfillment apart from you. We don't need you, God. And in doing so, fell short of the standard that God had set. That When sin came in, pain came in with it. And there's different kinds of pain, right? It can run the spectrum from acute, instant, unexpected, sudden pain to the slow-burning, gradually-building, death-by-a-thousand-cuts type pain. And how we respond to them is different, right? I think we're conditioned to get that momentary pain, that sudden pain, that flash of pain, right? Either physical pain or emotional pain, but it's the, the slow burn pain doesn't look as bad often from the outside and often doesn't feel as, or look as bad from the inside and, and we feel bad about it. If that's our life, if it's just been this, this gradual pain that is just built over time, we can feel bad, right? It's like, well, I should, that shouldn't bother me because other people have it so much worse. But all pain hurts, right? All, all pain hurts, but all pain isn't the same. And it's okay for us to say it's not all the same, but acknowledge it, it hurts. There's physical pain, whether it's sudden or chronic and, on, and ongoing pain. There's emotional pain. Maybe it's relational pain with a relationship ending or, or heartbreak. Maybe it's family pain with unmet expectations or it's parental pain with maybe estrangement from your parents or, or the pain of watching your children struggle and make poor decisions. There's big, loud, life-changing pain like grief, betrayal, abandonment, rejection. 
And there's quieter, more subtle pain, like being mistreated or misunderstood, a lack of fulfillment, feeling trapped or stuck, things that can lead to fatigue and make your heart and your soul weary. There's even spiritual pain, feeling abandoned by God, feeling forgotten by him, where you find yourself asking, where is God in this moment? Jesus is wrestling through a similar thing. Look at how Jesus is feeling when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. Look at the words that are used. It says he was anguished and distressed. He says, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. That paints a picture of pain and sorrow so deep that they almost kill. There is a burden and a weight on him. He throws himself on the ground to pray. The book of Luke tells us he, he's feeling this pain so intensely that he's sweating these huge, great drops of sweat. It is just pouring out of him because this weight is so heavy. And what is the weight? What is the pain that Jesus is feeling here? He knows what's coming. He knows that the cross is coming. And he knows what that means for him. Jesus talks about the cup of suffering And he asked it to be taken away. And I think that's used on purpose. It doesn't just mean the pain that he's going to feel. But the cup of suffering, that that visual of a cup, is really Old Testament language that would refer to to God's wrath or God's judgment. And so Jesus knows that that God is sending him to be a sacrifice for all of humanity. that, That God is going to pour out his wrath and his judgment meant for all of humanity onto his son instead. It's the pain of the ultimate rejection. God pouring out this wrath and judgment on his perfect, undeserving son whom he loved. Jesus feeling the rejection and abandonment of his father when all he had ever known was perfect unity and relationship and oneness with God. Imagine your greatest moment of pain, right? Think about the worst moment of your life. Think about the the deepest pain you've ever felt. That's not a good memory. Think of what that felt like as you carried it with you. Now multiply that by everyone's worst moment, whoever lived or ever will live. And imagine experiencing that pain all in one moment. That's what Jesus knows is coming. We experience pain too. Maybe not that specific pain that Jesus is feeling, but we experience pain too. And if you're hurting right now, if it's a difficult season of life, if you're struggling, if you're dealing with an illness or a disease or a, or a broken marriage, if you are hurting in some way, I want you to hear me say it's okay to not enjoy pain. It's okay. It's okay to struggle with pain. It's okay to hurt. Because sometimes we can feel like, man, I, I'm supposed to know better and I, and I, and I have to dig in. I mean, if it, I can't believe that God is good and let this bother me. Like, I, I just got to get through this. And that is not true. You're allowed to hurt. You're allowed to wrestle with this. But how do we keep that struggle from becoming fear of pain? Because experiencing pain can cause us to fear it in the future. And it's important to distinguish. There's a difference between fearing more pain in the midst of pain and fearing future pain. There's a difference between not wanting more present pain, which I think is fair. I think we're allowed to, to, to ask God to take this pain away. That's what Jesus does here. 
There's a difference between not wanting more present pain and fearing future pain. It's okay to want the pain to stop, but fearing pain causes us to miss out. We begin to hesitate on decisions. We, sh- we shut down. We have avoid situations that will bring that back up. We, we lose sight of the big picture. We have d- diminished capacity. Our tank feels empty. We don't feel like we have a lot left. Fear of pain can cause you to withdraw, to disengage, and not just from other people, and not just from situations, but from your life in general. And you know what that's like. We get in those moments where we're just trying to endure, just trying to make it to the next day where we limit our focus and it's like it just, I'm, I'm just going to try and cope with this in, in, in whatever way I can and, and just kind of make it to tomorrow. And, and that's when you look back months or years from now and go, how did I end up here? When we've dealt with pain for a while, we can start to flinch at everything because we just expect more pain to come. It begins to feel inevitable. Folks, the potential for pain is definitely a risk we, we, we face in, in our lives. That's a reality, but it's a risk worth taking. If we try and avoid all pain, we miss out on all the good things that life has to offer. We miss out on relationships because we fear we might get hurt. We miss out on experiences because what if something bad happens? We miss out on new opportunities because what if it doesn't play out the way we hope? We miss out on the richness of God because we fear that he won't show up the way we want. We can't live like that, though. Pain hurts. That's true. But it doesn't have to forever. Because the second thing that pain does is pain reveals. Pain reveals. It reveals who we really are. It reveals what we value, what's most important to us, we, what we believe about ourselves, what we believe about our lives, what, what we Believe about God. Pain reveals those things because it burns away all the superfluous stuff. It burns away all that outside stuff and gets to the core of who we are and how we view life. And if we're honest, we value comfort. We value comfort. We want comfort. We seek it out. We want to find things to make our lives easier. We want to find things to make life a better experience. And so we begin to to shape our, our lives around that view. We want other people to confirm our comfort, to make our lives more comfortable. We don't want to be challenged or pushed. We want to stay in the safe zone of where we know. We seek comfort. That's why I don't go camping. Because it's not comfortable. (laughs) Is there a way to go camping inside where it's air-conditioned and not outdoors? Yeah, it's called a hotel. Sold. Pain reveals that sometimes we're doing things that we shouldn't be doing. Results, it, sometimes pain is the result of our action, right? It's the consequences of our behavior. It's, the, it's what we've gotten for our, what we've earned for our, our sin. Like sometimes that's a reality. Think about it in the simplest way, like touching a stove. That pain is telling your brain something bad is happening. If you couldn't feel pain, you'd look down and realize you burned your hand off. Pain is pointing out that something that is going on that's not right. However, pain can also be completely independent of the things that we've done. Sometimes things happen to us because of how other people treat us. Sometimes we get an illness or a disease and and we haven't done anything, to no lifestyle issues to make this happen. And there's also another force at work here. Evil is a big fan of pain. Satan 
might cause us pain in order to pull us away from God. But the most powerful truth here is that God is so big, is so powerful, he's able to take what was meant for harm and bring something good out of it. God often uses pain to dig out deeper issues in our lives and in our hearts. Issues like trust and identity and fulfillment. How we define ourselves, what it means to have faith. Pain reveals our inner brokenness but it reveals God's heart as well because we're not alone in our pain. We're not abandoned even though we might feel like it. Think of it like a guardrail on the highway. You guys see these when we drive, these guardrails. They're just there. None of you are leaving church, getting your kids together, going, all right, guys, let's go. We're going to pick a good guardrail and drive straight into it. Like You don't do that for fun. That's not the goal of a guardrail. We're not aiming at them. No one wants to hit the guardrail, right? But often the guardrail is there to protect us from a greater pain, a potentially fatal pain. We would never choose to hit the guardrail, but sometimes, looking back, we are very, very glad that we hit the guardrail. That would be the end of my story that says, and I never drove a car again. (laughs) Some of you are watching that going, I'm not nervous. There's no way he'd show us a video of a car flying over a cliff. Fair, I wouldn't. Some of you no longer need to go to the bathroom because that was pretty scary. (laughs) You think that guy wanted to hit the guardrail? You think he got ready for that race going, all right, it's a big curve. I'm going to slam into that sucker. No. You think he's grateful for the guardrail now? That guy's buying stock in guardrails now. (laughs) That guy loves guardrails. He's not aiming for it. He wouldn't want that pain of hitting the guardrail. But in, in, in the larger perspective, hitting the guardrail, that short-term pain saved him from a much larger pain, potentially a, a life-changing, a life-ending pain. God does the same thing for us. He'll allow us to experience things in order to dig out of us what he needs to dig out of us, in order to change what he needs to change, in order to grow us where he wants us to grow. Look at what the pain revealed about Jesus. He had a right view of God. His prayer was was powerful. He says, my father, if it is possible, and he knows it's possible. He prays knowing, God, you can do whatever you want. You can do, you can take this away if you choose because you are powerful. He knows that God can do that. He knew and he trusted that about God. But then he goes on to say, but not what I want. Your will be done. Because what he's saying in that moment is that he knew that God wasn't doing this to hurt him. He knew there was a reason he had to go through this. He trusted God in that. That pain didn't derail him. And that's a good challenge for us because that can happen to us. We can get stuck in pain. And our problem can be that when we're hurting, when, when pain, the experience of it and the fear of it are deepest in our lives, when we need God the most, we can pull away. We distance ourselves at the very moment we should be leaning in. And God reveals that stuff in our hearts, those things that he's trying to, to change to make us more like his son, to protect us for the future. Because pain, the last thing pain does is pain teaches Pain teaches. Think about what people will say about pain sometimes. You know, you'll hear hear people say, suck it up when when somebody gets hurt. Walk it off. Tough it out. Super compassionate. 
But that's not God's approach to pain. That's not God's approach to pain. God sees value in that. He sees purpose in it. Pain teaches who God is and who we can be because of that. Jesus knew that pain had a purpose. He knew it. I, I can't overstate how real his pain is. Right? He is in agony. He is pleading with God to take this away. This is real pain. I, I think deeper pain than any of us will ever know. This is real stuff. But he understood there was a plan in this. Jesus found strength in his relationship with his father. He came into the garden of Gethsemane in agony. He left ready to do what he knew he needed to do. There can be purpose in our pain as well. That God is at work in our pain. Pain can be a prison or pain can be a teacher. It's up to us how we respond. Pain can be a prison that traps us, that poisons us, that suffocates us slowly, or pain can be a teacher. We don't need to fear pain. It's one of the things we can see from this. We don't need to fear it because God is over pain. God has already conquered pain. In fact, God wants us to know that he is with us in the midst of pain. God knows our pain. God knows our pain. Psalm 34, 18 says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Listen to that. He is close to the brokenhearted. He's not distant. He's not far away. He's not making the brokenhearted come to him. He is close to the brokenhearted because God knows what pain is like. God knows pain firsthand. We are loved by a God who understands pain, who's not distant and separated from it. The cross where Jesus died, where Jesus took all of the sin of humanity on, on his own shoulders, where God poured out his wrath and his judgment on his son, that didn't just cause Jesus pain. It caused the Father pain because the Father had to send him. And when Jesus called out on the cross, my God, why have you forsaken me? God didn't answer. I can't imagine the agony that must have been. My kids calling out to me in pain, knowing that I could fix it and I choose not to. God understands pain. He knows our pain. And he knows it doesn't have to be forever because God heals our pain. Revelation 21.4 says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. There's no more pain. Imagine that. Imagine an, an, an existence where there's no pain, where pain, pain is not a, even a thing anymore. Imagine that. That sounds unbelievable. God wants us to know that that moment is ours. Pain doesn't have to be forever. When we know him, when we trust him, when we have a relationship with him through his son, that's our future. That's what's secured for us. When you're Kids get hurt as a parent. They run to you because they think you can make it better, right? And you want to keep them in that state where they think that like your hugs and you're like rubbing their leg and you're like kissing things has magical properties and it's because that's a much cheaper copay. But sometimes we can't, right? Sometimes we can make it better. Sometimes we can't. But the hope that we have here is that our Heavenly Father actually can make it better. Our Heavenly Father is the only one who can make it better. And he doesn't just know our pain, right? He doesn't just know our pain, though that's true. He doesn't just heal our pain. He's doing something in the midst of it. God redeems our pain. 
I love that word because it means to buy back. It means to basically you're exchanging, that God takes our pain and instead he gives us something beautiful. God's specialty is making something beautiful out of something broken, out of something painful. And we see that Romans 8, 28. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Man, that is such a challenging verse for me. As I thought about that verse over the last several years, as I thought about what that looks like in the context of my life, it is not only hopeful, but it's challenging. Because what it's saying is this, that when we know God, when we trust him, when we have a relationship with him, that even our worst moments, even our, our harshest pain, God is at work in that for our good. What it's saying is that even in the darkest moments, there is good there. That's amazing. We don't need to fear anything because of that. We don't need to fear pain anymore because what it's saying is that pain, the sting of pain is gone, that God will work in that to bring something good out of it. And if you're sitting here thinking, I just got diagnosed with cancer or, or I just experienced an incredible loss, I just buried a loved one, how could there be anything good in that? Here's what I can tell you. I don't know for the specifics of, of your situation, but I can tell you with absolute certainty that there is something good in it, that God is gonna work in that if you let him, that God will redeem that if you let him and bring something beautiful out of that moment. And I need to believe that's true. I don't just think it's true. I need to believe that's true. Because sometimes that's the only way you can make it through the painful moments of your life. When you're struggling, when you feel beat up, when life feels like it's just doing a pile driver on your face over and over again. Sometimes the only hope is to say, I don't know why this is happening, and I don't know what it looks like to get out of this, but I know that I can trust the God who does, that God is at work, and there is something in here for my good. That is so meaningful. Folks, the only way to deal with pain is through. It's through it. Not by going around it or ignoring it or pretending it isn't real or withdrawing from it or just wallowing in it. Going through pain gives us strength and courage Endurance, perspective, and hope to handle future pain better and differently. It toughens us in ways we need to be toughened because pain will crush us if we're not prepared. That's why Jesus was praying. That's why Jesus was willing to do this because he understood that God had a purpose in this. And the purpose was Jesus took the cup of God's wrath that was meant for us himself. The wrath, that, the judgment that we've earned for our sin, for, for our rebellion from God, for, for living like we don't need him. Jesus took that on himself. Because the only way that we could be made right with God is if our punishment was poured out somewhere. And Jesus said, I'll take it. The perfect son of God who deserved none of this took what we deserved. Jesus suffers the ultimate pain for us that we might be spared from it. Pain might be part of our now, but it doesn't have to be part of our forever. What was broken in the Garden of Eden when sin was introduced is made right in the Garden of Gethsemane. In the first garden, in the Garden of Eden, it introduced pain. The second garden, the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus prayed, it overcame it. We are cursed by sin in the first garden. We are freed from the curse in the second garden. Broken people were kicked out of God's presence in the first garden. We are welcomed back to him in the second garden. Adam and Eve living selfishly and saying, 
essentially saying, my will be done, poisoned humanity in the first garden. But Jesus saying to his father, your will be done, healed humanity in the second garden. That's the hope that we have. That's the hope that we look forward to, folks. Time does not heal all wounds. Jesus does. Time does not heal all wounds. It might not go away. It might not get better. But through Jesus, it will. If not now, then in forever. And sometimes that's all we have. When life is hard, the best we can say is that I know that this is not my life forever because of Jesus. And that's not a bad thing because the years spent on earth will pale in comparison with the eternity we spend in God's presence when we know and trust him. Through Jesus, God redeems our pain if we let him. I find that God speaks clearest in the midst of pain. And really, what, I think what I mean by that is that I listen best in the midst of pain. I went 22 months when I was in college where I couldn't play sports or I had to rehab because I blew up my knee at surgery. I had to wait to have some second surgery. I had nine-month rehab afterwards. And I really struggled. I started to spiral into depression because I was so discouraged and I was so hurt. And I was like, God, why would you let this happen? And it, it was so bad for me. I really struggled during that season. That's the worst physical pain I've ever felt. And it turned into this emotional pain. Just felt left alone, like nobody cared. What I wanted more than anything at that time in my life as I watched it slowly fall apart was someone who loved me enough to step into my story and go, what's going on? Talk to me. I would never choose to go through that again. My knees hurt all the time. and That's why I walk, because I can't stand still. It just gets so old for me. And yet I look back on that season of my life and realize God did great stuff in my heart that I wasn't willing to let him do otherwise. God had to bring me to the point in my life where he goes, how's it working out for you? Is it going the way you hoped? I had to get to the point where I go, I cannot do this on my own. I need you. And God got my attention in ways I had never been willing to give him before. Would I ever want to go through that again? No. But that's one of the richest, most meaningful times of my life. Because God is at work in those moments. So what do we do with that? I want to give you four things to you, can, you can think about this week as, as you get ready to leave. And the first is pause. If you're going through pain, if you're experiencing pain in some way, whether it's the loss of a loved one, or it's, it's dealing with an illness, or it's, it's a, a relationship that's fracturing, or you don't have a job and you don't know how you're going to make ends meet. Whatever the pain you're going through is, my first thing I would say is pause. Jesus paused. He took time and he went to the garden on purpose. Take a breath. Take a step back. See the big picture. This isn't your forever, or at least it doesn't have to be. And we need to be reminded of that because it's hard not to see things through the lens of pain when you're going through pain. Pause. Now, what can you do for someone else if you're not going through pain? How can you pause and so help someone in, in their life by pausing? Well, I'd say most of us aren't great for dealing, at dealing with people in pain. We don't know how to respond to people in, in pain. We don't know how to respond to pain in others. So I want to say pause before saying something to someone going through pain. Is, think through it. Is what you're planning to say true? Is it honest? Is it loving? Is it helpful? 
people mean well, but oftentimes we don't know what to do. And so you hear one of your friends has an illness and you're like, oh yeah, you know, my, my uncle had that. It was really hard. And, he, you know, he eventually died from that. It's like, dude, read the room. Not the right time. I was talking with some people that have gone through really hard seasons of life, and I asked them, what, what were the worst things people said to you? What would you not want to hear? And they said, don't say things like, everything happens for a reason. It's not helpful. Don't say everything will work itself out, because it might not. Don't say it is what it is, because it's not a sentence. <laughs> it means nothing. Don't say God is punishing you, because, you know, Why? Why would you say that? Don't say those things. Instead, look to communicate care. Communicate interest in their lives. Give people opportunities to share about what they're going through. Empathize with them. Remind them they're not alone. Second thing is invite people into it. Invite people into it. Jesus invited people in. He invited the disciples to go with them, and he invited three of them to go pray with them. Invite people into your life. One of the things we struggle with as Westerners, as Americans, is this thought that I have to go through stuff alone. Who? Who said that? Where, where is it written that we have to do that? And I find it incredibly ironic that most people would be willing to go above and beyond to, to help someone in their life when they needed it and yet are unwilling to allow others to do the same for them. When we do that, what we're saying is we fundamentally think other people are worse people than we are. I would do that for you, but I'm not going to ask because, you know, I don't want to inconvenience you. And I would say, Ask. Give other people the chance to say no. But I would imagine and, and venture to say that almost all of us have people in our lives, I think all of us probably do, have people in our lives that care about us enough that if they knew we needed help, they would step up for us. Invite people in. Because we are not wired to handle pain on our own. We need support. We need a community. We were built for that. And there's lots of different ways you can do that. If you're going through pain, going to celebrate recovery might be a good way to invite people in. Purposefully invite people in who may be going through something similar to you. Maybe it's joining a group. Maybe it's letting your friends know. Maybe it's simply verbalizing your need for help. But invite people in. But if you're walking with someone who's going through pain, if this isn't you but you're thinking, how can I care for someone else this way? I would say to you, where appropriate, invite yourself into the pain of the people you love. Where appropriate... The cashier at Kroger that you just met, you probably wouldn't show up at their house unannounced. But invite yourself into their lives appropriately. Because what I found fascinating is when I asked people, what, what things did people say to you that meant so much? You know what, what I found? The first seven or eight minutes we talked about this, I didn't hear a single thing. What I heard was people being present. That's what mattered. Sometimes not saying anything is okay because they understand it. You don't have the words for this. But be present in people's lives. Let them say no. Let them say, I, I, I can't have visitors right now because I'm just exhausted. Let them decide that. Because I have never shown up to, see, to somebody's house or to see somebody in the hospital without them asking me and had people go, how dare you be here? The audacity. Nobody's ever said that. I think it matters tremendously when we are willing to get involved in people's lives. Third thing is fill your mind with truth. Fill your mind with truth. Jesus was filled with truth. Not my will, but yours. Jesus knew what was true. Even in his lowest moments, he knew what was true. And that's important because truth can be super, super hard to see when you're going through it. 
And what you can do from someone else is remind them of truth. But do it graciously and lovingly and personally and positively. Remind them of truth. It can be hard to see that when you're hurting. And lastly, be quiet with God. Jesus was quiet with God. The whole point of this story is he went to pray. He went to be alone and and to spend time. Be quiet with God so that you can listen. He's trying to speak to your heart in the midst of pain. Let him do that. Pour your heart out to him. And what you can do for someone else is pray with them and for them. Not just pray with them from afar, but say, hey, can we pray together? One pastor says, you don't really know Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. And that's a good thing because time doesn't heal all wounds. Jesus does. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that that's true. Father, we all have hurts. We all have pain. We all have baggage that we bring with us. Father, thank you that you know what that's like. Thank you that that you understand what that means. And thank you that you offer us hope in the midst of it. That you know our pain that you heal our pain and that you can bring something beautiful out of it and redeem our pain. Father, I ask for each one of us in here the same thing I'd ask for myself. Help us to understand the good that you are doing in our lives in the midst of our pain. That we might experience the richness of your love in deeper and deeper ways. That we might trust you even when it's hard because we know you're at work. We thank you. I pray this in your son's precious name. Amen.